Hello there, child. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Andrew Ridgely to my George Michael. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. I don't get that reference. Uh, I know George Michael. What, 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 who's Andrew Ridgely? Ridgely? He's the guy he did Wham! with. It's a very old school reference, but it's one I'm going to go with. That's come out of the blue. Like, what is the, where's the context here? I, there is no context. We are doing comparisons with no football to base these things upon. So point. I'm having to go pretty old school. Uh, last week I did Be Here Now. It's my What's Story Morning Glory. This week it's Wham. So, you know, mixing it up. Might be a film on next week. Who knows? Either way, Justin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've, I've, been, I've been busy-ish. Been busy-ish? What have you been up to? Well, I've started doing 100 burpees a day. Oh, are they? Right, burpees are the ones where you do the little, like, kind of squatting over, little jump thing into it, and then you do, like, a star jump. Is that right? Yeah, so you squat, uh, and then you go into a press-up, and then you do the press-up, and you come back up, um, bringing your legs to your chest, and then you jump up. But I can't jump up because my knee's knackered, so I have to tippy-toe. Okay, and how many? Oh, 100. How knackered are you after doing 10? It's, it's not too bad because that only takes about, I don't know, less than 30 seconds to do. It's when you start to get into the 20s that it starts to take a toll. I think I'd be on my arse after five. You'd be surprised. I thought I would be, but after the second day, I was all right. I might give them a go because I am struggling with keeping fit at the moment. I've, I've been running recently and I don't usually run. So no. I've, I'm quite happy with how I've been doing that. I've listening to a few other podcasts while I'm going around the place and it's going all right it's getting me that's through good, that's good it's, it's my only opportunity to get outside the house so I, i'm making the absolute most of it uh, but what else you been doing um been watching something till i die on netflix oh yeah oh yeah that's Love sort of, that's filled the void of tiger king quite nicely <laughs> uh, i mean i i'll never I, I i've been re-watching tiger king a bit as well just because <laughs> I, I i can never hear enough of uh, Joe Exotic talking about that bitch, Carol Baskin. <laughs> well, he's um, he's got an episode of Louis Through as well. Has it? Yeah, yeah, and all an iPlayer, so so get on that. I'm gonna have to watch that. But anyway, Sunderland till I die. Yes. What did you think? It, it was it was really good. It it didn't show the club in as much detail as the last series, but I think Stuart Donald in particular comes off very well. He's mm. he's he might be slightly out of his depth, but. His heart's in the right place, and yeah. the club is in a better position now than it was when he took over. Um, Charlie Methan is straight, a strange guy. Um, quite, he is David Brent. Yeah, massively. Quite funny, though. The, the scene with the uh, when they're talking about the walkout music is unbelievable. It's one of, it's one of the highlights of British telly ever well quite frankly one of the more cringeworthy moments was when he referred to like communications as marcoms now i've got a degree in marketing i've never heard that i've never heard that term in, at all ever uh, that just made me crawl back inside like ugh. Yeah, but could talk about the actual documentary um for anyone who hasn't seen it definitely recommend it mm-hmm. it's not as behind the scenes in terms of a playing sense as the previous series, if that, yeah, if you know what I mean. yeah, yeah, but in terms of kind of the board level, kind of behind the scenes, it's still absolutely fine. Um, that would be my only criticism of it because I liked seeing what was going on with the plane squad behind the scenes. But it seems like Jack Ross, who was the manager at the time, he seems to have cracked down on that and made sure it's not as 
um, scandalous as it was last time. I think at a boardroom level, contextually, especially now with football pretty much it's it's struggling financially because of the the virus outbreak, it's a very good um, look into just how desperate things are at a boardroom to cut funding. Like at one point, they literally, the cryo chamber, they're spending 100,000 a year on it. No players were using it. It was being used by Martin Bain to help out his back. That is one of the most shocking things I've seen. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe that at the time. But it, it goes to show how much of a mess Sunderland were. And we kind of touched on it, didn't we? Yeah. Only a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But very good watch. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Only thing I'd say is I'd like to have seen more behind the scenes with the playing side. But but either way, I enjoyed it massively. And seeing <laughs> what's his name, Charlie Meppen. Charlie Method, someone like that. Yeah. Method, he, him going absolutely nuts. Oh my god! In the yeah. playoff final, is <laughs> absolutely superb. It's great. Anyway, Justin, let's talk about the championship because once again we are championshipless. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very quiet time to be a championship podcast, but we're doing what we can. Damn it! We're chipping uh, away. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, we're, we'll pretty much do the same formula as last week, if that's all right with you. We'll have an 11s where we'll be talking about this week, the best 22 players, the best players who are 22 or younger and make a side out of them. Last week we did uh, One Season, one season wonders. wonders, which was superb. And then we'll do squad goals <coughs> again, Greg Bryson pub quiz. And that will be it for this week's episode. But first off, we'll start with some news. So, as you can imagine, isn't too much going on. Football in England has been suspended, though, indefinitely due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The season had been suspended until April the 30th. But after a meeting on Friday, a statement read it was acknowledged that it will not resume until the... Well, at the summer from the looks of it. But it's definitely not going to resume at the beginning of May, which was what the clubs were hoping would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the season will return only when it is safe and appropriate to do so. So nothing too surprising there. It seems like at the moment the clubs are just monitoring the situation, which is all they can really do, isn't it? No, definitely. And I think it is reassuring to hear that there is a commitment to see the current season out. Um, I think every football fan... I mean, what the thought process you go through as a footballer, you look at players that have made a breakthrough this season... That that could potentially be wiped off. You know, their appearances and the efforts they made this season could could potentially go to waste. But um, it, as I say, it's reassuring to hear that they're, they're wanting to see the season out. Yeah, uh, from what we were saying last week, we're kind of just repeating ourselves, really. Yeah. But it, it's more about how much money and time has been invested into the season. It would just be ridiculous, quite frankly. If, it was all to go to waste, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Uh, more clubs are furloughing staff. It's after the health secretary called on Premier League footballers to play their part. Not much of a surprise that clubs are furloughing at championship level, is it really? Because <coughs> to be a top level club in the championship, you have got to pretty much spend every penny that you can. Well, exactly. And this is this is the frustrating thing for me is you sort of you're caught in the middle. Uh, sort of a middle point here you know football's going down this route of being morally corrupt this 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 furloughing scheme was set up so to help small to medium businesses um stay in business because at the end of the day if they go out of business people are out of work unemployment goes up etc etc you know the knock-on effect for the economy is, is massive um but you know it seems that football clubs at a high level are certainly taking advantage of it which is you know 
grossly just awful. Um, yeah. And I think the, the outing of footballists to take a pay cut by the health secretary, again, is just, it's, it's a cop-out. Um, you're looking at Tottenham, for example. They they were the one, one of the first, along with Newcastle United. They, they're, they're paying directors £7 million. <laughs> like, yeah. as I say, you get into that area where it's morally, morally corrupt. And Liverpool, again, for example, they, they profited over £40 million last season. Um, so the justification to to put non-playing staff on furlough um, is, is is absurd. And as I say, if players take if players volunteer to take a wage cut, perfect, um, good on you. But they shouldn't feel forced to, and they shouldn't feel victimised because um, at the end of the day, they've been offered a salary, they've taken it, just like me and you have been offered a salary at our jobs. It's, it's, there's no difference apart from the sums of money and what they do. Um, they're being scapegoated. Um, yeah. I think at Premier League level, it's pretty disgraceful that these clubs are taking part mm-hmm. in it. I know we're not talking about the Championship, but we'll we'll have a quick diversion before yeah. we get back into the meat and gravy. But the fact that that's happening is outrageous. And as you say, Liverpool and other clubs, I think pretty much every club in the Premier League is turning a profit every single season. And it's a massive million pound profit. And the fact that they're taking part in this is disgraceful. Championship clubs, I can kind of understand because so there aren't many that are operating at a profit. Most of them are are having loss yeah. after loss every single season. And for them not to have football at the moment is having a massive impact on their businesses. Mm-hmm. So for them to take part is no surprise. And obviously if you are at a club and you are working there, then you want to know that your future is <coughs> going to be secure and taking part in this scheme, I suppose, uh, helps with that, doesn't it? But yeah. uh, the health secretary calling out Premier League footballers irks me a bit really because I've seen quite a few uh, footballers themselves um, say on Twitter that it's hurt them as well Mm -hmm. and it seems strange that footballers are being targeted even though there are bankers other celebrities millions of pounds who are who who aren't being targeted but footballers are for whatever reason and there there are two more points here a club you look at Liverpool, again, for example, Timo Werner's been linked with Liverpool heavily. Who's to say they're not going to put the checkbook out and pay £65 million for him when the transfer window opens again? But they can justify putting staff on government on the government scheme. It is horrendous. And Jonathan Wattles made a great point about footballers taking pay cuts because that means their tax that they, they pay in is going to be reduced. Um, so surely then the income the government are going to re- uh, receive is then reduced which will yeah. affect budgets. Um, so, you know, he makes a great point. So go and find out what he says because he, he goes into a lot of detail. Yeah. Well, final point in the news from the coronavirus pandemic is that a building on Brentford's new community stadium has all but stopped in the wake of the pandemic. The new 17,500-seater ground at Lionel Road was about to enter its final practical completion phase in the coming weeks, but its 400 workers have now been stripped back to a bare minimum. And it's quite interesting because... Brentford can't get the go-ahead to demolish Griffin Park until they get the safety certificate for this stadium. Mm -hmm. So what that means for Brentford as a whole, I'm not too sure whether they'll be paying more money for this ground while it's just been sat there, left to be finished off. Mm -hmm. I don't really know, but that's something for someone who understands 
building (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) lovely that has been the news from the past week unsurprisingly not too much going on let's get into some 11s justin this week it's the 22 or younger the best players aged 22 or younger in the championship what formation have you gone with out of Uh, interest i've gone 4-3-3 i've also gone 4-3-3 that is very ideal a bit easier finding fullbacks sorry yeah, well, yeah, I, I didn't realise how many quality fullbacks were at Championship yeah. age 22 or younger. We'll get on to them in a set. We'll start off with goalkeeper. We've kind of cheated with goalkeeper because there aren't actually that many goalkeepers who are age 22 or younger. I mean, there are two. But, so, so we've gone 24 or younger instead. Uh, do you want to go first? Uh, go on then. Go on, who have you gone with? I've gone with Marek Rodak. Oh, that's surprising. I've also gone with Marek oh, Rodak. I thought I'd try and... Um... Yeah, try and wig you out that one, but I mean, it's obvious how good he is because we've both we've both gone for him. But what a player he's been for Fulham this season! Oh, massively, massively. I mean, I was stuck between him and Freddie Woodman, but I've gone with Rodak because Woodman's had a couple of moments this season where he hasn't been too convincing. Where Rodak, ever since he was given the chance between the sticks for Fulham in October, he's just been class, hasn't he? Yeah, there's there's only been one game where where he was absolutely terrible against Barnsley, but he, he recovered that <laughs> he recovered from that really well because against uh, Derby the next week he was unreal. I think he made about eight saves. Um, so clearly that was just a one game blip. But as well as that, he was he was amazing for Rotherham last year and statistically one of the best goalkeepers in the league for a team that conceded a hell of a lot of a hell of a lot of goals, a lot of chances, etc. And he's carried that on to, into this year, and he's he's displaced Marcus Bettinelli who we'd have all thought would have been a sure bet for number one in the Championship this season for Fulham. Yeah, well, goalkeepers was a big problem for Fulham at the start of the season because they had uh, they had three options, I think, and they didn't really seem too sure on any of them. And then Rodak, who was very much a background figure, yeah. has kind of come in and now you look at him now and he's probably one of the best keepers in the second tier. No, definitely, definitely. As you say, you know, he's, 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 dis- he's displaced... An experienced goalkeeper in Bettinelli, who's one of Gareth Southgate's favourites for some reason, uh, England's mm. fourth choice keeper, which is a bit odd. Um, but you know, there's quality there, and I think he's going to grow with the side because, as you say, it's his first season for Fulham. Um, so I expect him to get a lot better in the yeah. next few seasons. Yeah, absolutely. He's only 23, mm-hmm. but he plays like a keeper who is much older, and that just goes to show how quality he has mm-hmm. been and how how much of a wise head he has on his shoulders. So well done to Marek. Let's go to right back. I think we might have the same player on this as well. I don't know. You go. I've got Matty Cash. I've gone Jaden Bogle. Okay, right. See, you, you've kind of gone with the <clears> theme more because this is 22 or younger mm-hmm. and we're going with youngsters. Yeah. And really, you have gone with a youngster. I've gone with a player who I didn't realise was 22 until I was doing research earlier. <laughs> Matty Cash... He seem, he seems to have been around for ages, yeah. but the fact he's only twenty two mm-hmm. is unbelievable because he is, has been the best right back in the league. Yeah, season. definitely, definitely. He it, and it shows how much of a player Forest have got on their hands. The fact that he's only twenty two still, mm-hmm. he has got so many years left in his career, and he's only going to get better and better. Yeah, and I think it, it was it was a. It was a toss-up between Bogle and, and Matty Cash, and it is nothing to do with the team that I support because I I've loved Matty Cash this season, but I just think for me, Jaden Bogle, who's 19 years old, um, has been 
still very steady this season and is probably a bit better going forward than Matty Cash. But and obviously he's got to improve his defensive side of the game. But he's an attacking fullback. He averages three and a half dribbles a game, and the amount yeah. of assists he's collected over the last two seasons has been ridiculous for a, for a, uh, an inexperienced player. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to throw you under the bus, but you are a Derby fan and you have been critical many a time of Jaden Bogle. But that is because of his defensive side of mm-hmm. his game, isn't it? Because going forwards, he's superb, isn't he? No, absolutely, absolutely. I think you, one 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 phase of play particularly uh, highlighted that. It was his goal against Stoke. He, you know, Of course, it's a bit different for fullbacks now, but the amount of composure he has in the four positions... Um, is is ridiculous. He's, as I say, 19 years old. I know he used to be a winger, but he's coming into a side that has been sort of uh, what's the word? inconsistent and he's been one of the shining lights this season. But he does need to improve defensively. I think if he does that, he's a £15 million player. Yeah, well, the thing is, he's only 19, as you say, and he's such a raw talent. Yeah. If somebody in the Premier League takes a chance on him and develop him correctly, then they've got one hell of a player on their hands yeah. because he given the right guidance could be a very very good player very good player because going forwards as you say he's got it all already yeah. and then it's just the defensive side of the mm-hmm. game where he could improve and he does need to improve there I think even he would admit that mm-hmm. uh, Matty Cash just wanted one more yeah. t- uh, chat about him just a bit more he is the best right back in the division as far as I'm concerned quite easily um, he has been sensational going forward this season. It's worth remembering as well, he was a, a midfielder who has been moved mm-hmm. to right back. And it's only really been this season that he has played at right back and he, he can score, he can assist. Defensively, he's brilliant. He runs for... Uh, he he can run all game up and down the right and he is a superb player. I look forward to one day seeing him in the Premier League as well. I think a testament to both of these fullbacks is they're both linked with AC Milan in the January transfer window. I mean, everyone's been linked with AC Milan at some point. Yeah. I mean, I was at one point. <laughs> Won't go that far. Well, you say that. My my sensational five-a-side career gets me places. <laughs> uh, Centre-back. Uh, so we've got two centre-backs. Yes. Who, who have you gone for? I think this might be one where we've got one who's the same mm-hmm. and then the other one who's not the same. Yes, but I think... It's, I think we've had the, both of these defenders you like as well. So anyway, okay. uh, I've gone with Ben White and Joe Roden. Oh, I've gone with Ben White and Joe Roden. This is boring, Ryan. See, I didn't <laughs> think you'd go. I thought we'd both go Ben White. I didn't think you'd go Joe Roden. But, I, surprisingly, I don't know if this was the same for you when I was doing research on this earlier. There aren't as many 22 or younger left uh, centre-backs no, in the division. Yeah, Most surprise. of them play for Swansea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ben Wilmot and Ben White. Um, but I think... I'd, I'd, we'll touch on Joe Roden first because Ben White needs some time to himself because he's ridiculously good. Um, oh, yeah. Joe Roden, I didn't realise how influential he was to Swansea. Mm. Um, he gets things going for them from the back. He's He's been likened to John Stones, um, probably in his peak, not now. Um, <laughs> and it was his debut season last season. Uh, and, you know, he was still, still steady. But this season, he's he's been even better, barring injury. Um, and his injury was felt in the team as well. They only lost three before his injury, um, and then they went on to lose four in fifteen, which doesn't seem seem that bad. But they they struggled to replicate the consistency they had at the start of the season before he got injured. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. Joe Roden, his 
passing ability is sensational mm-hmm. as well as you'd expect with a Swansea defender. But he, he has been helped massively by having someone as good as Mike van der Horn next to him. Mm-hmm. But then since van der Horn's been injured and Roden's come back into the side, he has shown how he is one of the best centre-backs well, young centre-backs anyway, mm-hmm. in this division. Yeah. And the fact that Ben White's on loan, that pretty much makes Roden the best young centre-back who's owned by a championship club no, in the yeah, division. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And, and he is a class player. He is, he, he in this modern day football where players have to be good on the ball as mm-hmm. well as defensively, yeah. Joe Roden is superb at it. And again, I, I, I'll probably be saying this for every single player who, who we talk about, but... I think he'll be a uh, Premier League player sooner rather than later as well. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk Ben White then. I mean, we've said plenty about him this season. Is there anything else that we haven't said? I think maybe the fact that he's going to to play in the Premier League next season. Yeah, it just depends who it's with really, doesn't it? Yeah, but I don't don't think Brighton are daft enough to let him go because, you know, either Dunk or Duffy will, will leave. Webster's been in and out of the side. Ben White is ready-made for the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. He has been linked with Chelsea, which, I mean, if they get the checkbook out, then a big club could definitely be on the cards for Ben White. He, I mean, whether he plays with Leeds next season is, you're not too sure really, Mm -hmm. are you? Because as you mentioned, I don't think Brighton will be in too much of a hurry to sell him. But he is a super player in this season. I remember at the start of the season when we saw Ben White come in and he had a pretty unremarkable spell at Peterborough last season on loan. Yeah. And we thought he'd just be back up to Pontus Janssen and Liam Cooper. Mm-hmm. And you look at it now, imagine if Janssen stayed and White maybe didn't get a chance. Well, It would have, could have been one of the <clears throat> biggest mistakes Leeds United have ever made. And they've made a few mistakes over the years. Yeah, definitely. I think... The one thing you've got to point out with Ben White is he's he's played centre back, but he's also played in front of the the defenders in the front of the defence as well when Phillips has been out of the side. And there aren't many centre backs that can do that, but that's testament to his ability and his quality. And other than maybe Harrison and Calvin Phillips this season, he's been one of Leeds' most standout players. Yeah. I, I put him ahead of Harrison, mm-hmm. maybe not Phillips, but he's definitely in there, isn't mm-hmm. he? And uh, as you say, he has been asked to play further forwards at times. And that just goes to show how good he is on the ball as well. So like Roden, both these lads are very capable on the ball as well as defensively. Left back, who have you got? Oh, I have a funny feeling we're going to agree on most of these. Um, Anthony Robinson. Oh, no. We haven't agreed on this one. You see, there are so many options at left back. The left back's a very popular position. It's unbe- I couldn't, believe, I couldn't <laughs> believe how many players in the Championship play... At left back and are <laughs> 22 or younger because the, you could have had Jada Silva, Anthony Robinson, as you've had, Nathan Ferguson, Max Lowe, Hayden Colson. I've ended up going with Rico Henry just for the fact that Rico Henry is probably, again, the best left back in the division. But you could have picked any of them. I had to go with Henry just because I love Rico Henry. I've The times I've watched Rico Henry this season, he struggled. He struggled against... Blackburn when we went to watch and um, okay the couple of times I've seen him he struggled he struggled against Brighton say Samuel um, the two occasions as well more on Anthony Robinson though um, because again this guy's been the real deal for Wigan this season in a poor side for the most part 
Um, and they've relied very hev- uh, very heavily on their fullbacks to be their creative source. And Robinson in particular has been absolutely superb. Um, he would be playing for AC Milan now if he <laughs> if it weren't for his medical um, showing yeah. a heart arrhythmia. And now he's on the mend from that, which is which is great news. And hopefully, hopefully he's back in the championship next season. Because selfishly, I want to see him go even further. He, he, yeah. He's been tremendous. I remember before January, before he was linked with AC Milan and. I, 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 we've criticised Wigan plenty of times mm-hmm. this season and they've deserved the criticism but Anthony Robinson was probably one of the bright sparks in what was a pretty dim yeah. first half of the season for Wigan and you, you looked at him and you thought to yourself this lad has got plenty of talent and maybe probably shouldn't be playing for Wigan he should be playing for a side who are higher up the table but he is a class player athletically brilliant because he is rapid absolutely rapid he's quick and he's ridiculously fit um because his running numbers this season have been up there with 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 some of the highest but as well as that i think he only cost wigan about one and a half million at the most um which is one of the bargains of the summer yeah definitely i completely agree he he is a class player. The fact that he was linked with AC Milan shows how quality he is. AC Milan have been linked with quite a few players. Quite a but, few fullbacks. Uh, yeah, but Anthony Robinson, it just goes to show how quality he is. And again, I think he will be a Premier League player at some point. Rico Henry, just want to touch on him quickly. We've said plenty about him uh, this season. I think he's brilliant. Again, going forwards, he's probably better than he is defensively, but he's still very good defensively. And when you look at the Brentford squad, you I, I look at that and look at Rico Henry and think he is one of the stand-up players in that mm-hmm. Brentford side. Definitely. And he's had loads of injury problems mm-hmm. in the early stages of his career, but he's overcome them and he's only getting better and better season by season. Let's go to centre mid. I've gone for two centre mids and then an attacking mid. Have you gone pretty much the same? Uh Sort of. My my. I've got two centre mids that are maybe more defensive, and then sort of a box to box. Yeah, I've kind of gone with that as well. We're doing this a bit more tactically than <laughs> our one season wonder team that we did yeah. last week. Uh, so I'll go with one of my centre mids first. Mine is Max Bird. Yes, I've got Max Bird it's, as well. You've got Max Bird yeah. as well. Um, we'll talk about him then first. Max okay. Bird has. He, he he had a few he had a few games for Derby last season, and then this season he's coming to the side. And ever since Bielik got injured, really, he's coming to the side, and he has become a very influential player, despite being a teenager still. Yep, he's only just turned nineteen. Uh, it's worth knowing, but yeah, he came on for Bielik, um uh, against Wigan on Boxing Day because Bielik was a walking red card that day. He came, <laughs> he came in, and he, you know, Bielik lost his place then, and then Bielik got injured. So it wasn't the fact that Bielik got injured that Bird got his chances because Bird came in, did well, um, and out and ousted um, Bielik out of the side. Um, but for a 19-year-old who looks like he weighs nothing to come in to come in and boss the midfield, he's probably been better than Wayne Rooney in Derby's midfield since the new year. In my opinion, yeah, there's um, an argument for it, and I think prospect wise, he looks much better prospect than the prodigal Derby son Will Hughes. <laughs> I like, Max I see Bird what you mean. I see what you mean. Max Bird, he is a class player, and he is quite unique in the way that he is playing in a position that 
not a lot of young lads uh, playing at the moment. Mm -hmm. England in particular has a (laughs) massive problem with holding midfielders. But Max Bird, I'm not saying that he could play for England one day. I mean, he might very well do. I'll 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 give it till November next season before you start saying that. I mean, it would surprise me. But Max Bird is unbelievable. And the way he dictates play, it's not something a 19-year-old player should be able to do. And from, I mean, we have a mutual friend who works at Derby and we've spoken to him about Max Bird in the past and he says that he is the last player to leave the training ground every single day. He works his arse off and by all accounts is a very nice lad as well. Yeah. So well done to Max. That's that's one of the things, he's he's a very nice lad. He's very down to earth. Yeah, Yeah, very down to earth and... I enjoy watching him play in a Derby shirt. Fair enough. Uh, who's your other centre mid? Uh, I've gone with Lewis Travis. Oh, I thought you were going to say the same player as me. I've gone Lewis O'Brien. Oh, see, I, I was, it was a toss-up between those two. Um, but Lewis Travis, for me, he's, he's been key to Blackburn's good form this season. Um, he's looked very steady alongside Bradley Johnson. He's been ever-present as well. He's only missed two games. Mm. And he's, he's going to be... He's going to fetch a fair amount of money at some point because um, he's he's a different midfielder to ones we've got here. He's he's very much a, a bit box to box, bit of a ball winner, very very busy, and you know he's getting better with games. Yeah, definitely. I I mean your midfield is quite negative having uh, Travis and Bird both in there. I'm just saying, just saying, just putting it out there. I don't but, think it's <laughs> at all, right? No, I but I, I'm a big fan of Lewis Travis as well. I, I I enjoy watching him play for Blackburn, and as you say, he will probably go on to greater things. He is a sensational player. I enjoy watching him a lot. <laughs> Lewis O'Brien is a brilliant player for Huddersfield. He, Huddersfield haven't had too many things to cheer about this season, but Lewis O'Brien is one of them. Mm-hmm. He runs around like N'Golo Kante. He's like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. does not stop he's, running yeah, all good. game. He is industry at its finest, and he is one hell of a baller as well. <laughs> he he can pass, he can score goals from far out. He is creatively brilliant as well. He, he Whether it's playing number 10 or a bit deeper, he can do it. And he is a quality, quality player for uh, Huddersfield at the moment. They have got um, some big players on the books there, but he has come in and is an ever-present in that Huddersfield team now. He's probably one of the first players down on the team sheet. Yeah, was it against Barnsley where he just absolutely hit the ball as hard as he could with his left foot? Oh, he, he nearly took the goal out of the it ground. It was an awesome goal. It was a, it was an awesome goal, and I, I'm a big fan of Lewis O'Brien. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. Definitely. Uh, let's go to our final midfielder, Justin. Who have you gone for? We might agree on this one, but I've gone with Josh to Silva. Ooh, okay. No, I, my final one's Eberechi Easy. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, just the silver I was going to include, but I I left him out at the last minute just because he has kind of gone off the ball since the turn of the year, really. he I mean, he's not been bad. He's just not been as good as he was in the first half hmm. of the season. So that's why I left him out. But I, I'm a big fan of Josh Silva. Well... I, as I say, I I, I absolutely love Josh Silva. He, he's a majestic player. He's he's got great feet, uh, and he, his left foot's ridiculous. He's mobile. He's physical, and he's got all the attributes uh, a good central midfielder needs. Um, 
and I think we've said it before he's he's going to be an international footballer without doubt and um, you you do hope that Brentford can get promoted because I'd love to see him play in the Premier League he's got seven goals this season which is a good return from midfielder which is also one of his first seasons like first full seasons as, as, a, as a player so mm. in, in a midfield that's very competitive and experienced yeah he's got quick feet for a big guy mm-hmm. I know that's a massive cliche but he has and he he is as you say he's, he's a brilliant all-round player in the way that he can dribble, he can pass, and he can also score. And he, he has got some screamers to his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easy. what else can we say about him? He is sensational. He has been, for <clears> me, <throat> probably the most improved player this season mm-hmm. because he's gone from kind of an in-and-out player at QPR because he didn't play that much last season, which if you don't follow... Uh, the championship that much might surprise you quite a bit that he wasn't really a first team uh, not not first team he wasn't he wasn't nailed, he wasn't nailed on for a starting position was no he? he wasn't the first name on the team sheet like he is now and he is probably the best number 10 in the division that was yeah that's one of the criticisms of McLaren last season on the for QPI is the fact that he didn't play easy enough I'm not bloody surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, Surely you have to watch him this season to see how bloody good he is. Yeah, but you can't you can't have an under twenty two team and not pick Everidge Easy, can you? No, I mean I, I'm guessing you have picked him. Just I, not. I, I have picked I, him. Okay, right. I was going to say um, I've been very surprised if you didn't pick him. But just finally on Easy, he is he is he's like you know a, a street footballer in the way that he yeah his dribbling is like that the way that he just you know, z- zips in and out uh, between defenders. and It's effortless, what, isn't it? Yeah, and his passing, some of the some of his assists from this season, I want to see an, I want to see a compilation of his assists from this mm-hmm. season because it would be fantastic. His goals as well, he has been so important to QPR this season. They have relied heavily on scoring as many goals as they do. <laughs> and it's mainly down to Everett Easy. I mean, Bright says Samuel has been class as well. Elias Chair has been a bit inconsistent, but has produced um, goals at points throughout the season. But Easy has been consistently superb. No, uh, absolutely. And as we'll move on to the final sort of few players of this, I've picked him for the left side of my forward okay. uh, attack. And we won't go on too much about him because we've said all we can, but just a, a couple of stats. Uh, he's attempted 121 dribbles this season and he's completed 75 of them. Yeah. And he's he's way ahead of anybody um in terms of the, in terms of dribbling numbers and there is an argument about Ovi Ajaria as well, but I don't think he's anywhere near easy in terms of goals, assists, key passes and dribbles. Um no. just an unreal player and he's he's going to be massive for whoever he plays for. Yeah, I do like Ijaria, but I think Easy is just a better player. He, he's he's taking things he, to another level. Yeah, he produces much more than Ijaria does. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Uh, right wing, who have you gone with? Brian Embuemo. That is not a surprise whatsoever. I've also gone for Brian Embuemo. He is a class player. <clears throat> Still don't know how you pronounce his name. I, it gets pronounced differently every single week. From not just us, but from every single person in the world of the yeah. championship. But we'll we'll, we'll go with em- Embremo. I I say Embremo. 
I think it's Embuma, but we've been saying Embremo throughout the season, so we'll stick with that. Uh, but Brian Embremo, he is obviously part of the famous BMW mm-hmm. front three. He's probably the least talked about, which is surprising considering he's still only 20. Well, and his figures are ridiculous. That's the surprise. He looks a lot older than... 2021 doesn't he he does <laughs> he does he does um but as you say he's been he's been in that part of that front three and he's been pivotal and he's softened the blow of Brentford losing um Mope as, as Watkins has moved centrally he's picked up the slack from one yeah. of the the wide positions and he's scored a lot of goals he's, his movements quality his movements are unreal um coming in off the left the way he does and also he's got a calmness in front of goal that not even a lot of strikers in the championship have no definitely he has scored 14 this season which is a fantastic figure for a winger, mm-hmm. uh, especially a player who's only 20 <clears throat> as well. Yeah. Is He has produced the goods this season. Brentford spent a lot of money on him in the summer. We didn't know how it would work out. We thought he might be playing up front, but he has, as you say, been playing on the right instead. And he has definitely produced goods. Definitely. I don't know where Brentford pull these players out of, but he is another credit to the sterling job that the Brentford scouting team do. And yeah, he is a quality, quality player. Uh, he's only going to get better and better as well. Mm-hmm. Who's your next next player? Well, you haven't got. You've obviously revealed who your left winger is. Yeah. My left winger is Jude. Uh, no, it's not. It's Grady Dean Garner. I was going to say Jude Bellingham because I did have Jude Bellingham, but then I put Dean Garner back in. Uh, the re- the reason I've left out Bellingham is because he is still so young, and while his potential is astronomical. Yeah, he is at this time not as good as the players that I've named already. No, yeah, he's still a very good yeah. player there, and there is no disgrace in a sixteen-year-old that... not being as good as players <clears throat> five years older than him. Yeah, that was a dilemma I had in my head because he's for a sixteen, seventeen-year-old, he's been unreal, but he's not been as good as, for example, he's a Embuemo. De Silva, etc. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, yeah. Uh, and you, you wouldn't expect him to. I, I mean, he'll probably go for a ridiculous amount of money in the summer to some club who mm-hmm. can who can just spend £30 million and not mean anything to them. But what, the reason he's not in is because at this moment in time, he is just a very, very talented 16-year-old. Yeah. And anyway, Grady Dean Garner, let's talk about let's him. Talk he about has it. had his injury problems in the second half of the season, but in the first half of the season when we did see him, he is electric. Mm-hmm. Pace to burn, unbelievable dribbling ability, can score goals, can set them up. He is a real thorn in any defence. And it's it's, it's, it's unbelievable how he manages to do it because when you see it, mm-hmm. you as an opposition fan, you see him on the ball and... Quite frankly, you shit yourself because he causes so many problems. Yeah, and I think West Brom's downturn in form over the Christmas period and a bit after sort of coincided with his injury as well, and it sort of yeah. let it, it, it put a lot of pressure on um, Pereira to to do a lot of the creating. And, and Dean Garner, as you say, has, has been unreal. He's a he's a highlight show reel in itself. Um, the yeah. way the way he's the way he's gone about himself, he's he's, he's going to be a very good player. Yeah, it'll be interesting to know who gets the nod when um, he is back fit. Well, I imagine it will be back fit when the football actually resumes between him and Callum Robinson because Robinson has been superb since he's come back in. So what happens there, 
will be very interesting. They have options. Finally, striker, who have you got? Bit controversial. Okay. I've gone with Tyrese Campbell. Oh, okay. See, I did think Tyrese Campbell, <clears throat> but then I thought there was a... And then I realised, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, this lad is still only 22 and I've gone for Carlin Grant. Yeah, again, options for striking position were quite low on under under 22, but... Yeah, but that surprised me. I thought there'd be loads of strikers options, but it was only really between Tyrese Campbell, Carlin Grant, and there was another one, but mm. I've forgotten who it was. Just talk about Tyrese Campbell for a bit while I try and figure out who it was. Yeah, so <clears throat> first half of the season, he was in and out of the Stoke side. He was injured. And I don't think he was given a, a fair crack of the whip for the first half of the season at all. You know, Stoke was still creating chances, um, but they weren't putting him away. But what Tyrese Campbell has, has come in and done since the new year is he's he's been ridiculous. He's he's, he's they, they've created chances uh, and he's been scoring him. He's been he's been putting them away. In his last ten games, he's got five goals and two assists. No, no striker at Stoke City at the moment, and there's some big hitters there. There are Lee Gregory, Sam Vokes, some some experienced Championship players, um, and none of them can get near that level of consist have got near that level of consistency this season in front of goal. Um, so as I say, 20 years old, and he's transformed Stoke's attacking play this season for me. And he's going to be well. He's Kevin Campbell's um, son, isn't he? And Kevin Campbell was a very a very good number nine, and Tyrese Campbell is definitely going to be a very very good number nine. Yeah, the player I was thinking of was Rian Brewster, who yeah. he's only been in the championship for a few months, so yeah. I, I feel a bit, I feel like it's cheating for pick him. But uh, Tyrese Campbell, big fan of him. I completely agree. He, if anything, he, he needs to be given more uh, chance up front, really, because uh, if there's been one thing that has let Stoke down this season, is not giving him enough uh, opportunities up front. Yeah. Uh, Colin Grant another player we've said plenty about this season he mm-hmm. is a superb player he is a born goal scorer he scores goals for fun he he's been playing on the left side for a lot of this second half of the season mm-hmm. and it's not really dampened his goal scoring he's still scoring as many <clears throat> goals as he was before it's fantastic to see because he obviously was part of that Huddersfield side last season who got relegated and he still scored quite a few goals then mm-hmm. but he, he's dropped down and he's been another bright spark in this Huddersfield side him and uh, O'Brien quality quality players Huddersfield have got a lot to look forward to in those two because they are both brilliant brilliant players yeah definitely right let's go to squad goals Justin I'm realising time is getting on so who have you got as your best squad and I'll go into my bad squad shortly afterwards. So I've gone with um, Sheffield United from the 2005-2006 season. Uh, some amazing things happened that season. Um, and any other season, Sheffield United would have won the league. Alas, Reading were the champions with a record-breaking season. Just two defeats and 106 points. Um, but enough about Reading. I want to talk about the Blades, as I've said. This, <laughs> this team was peak Neil Warnock. Um, they won 26 games and as I said 92 points which you know, that's the, that's the amount they, they accumulated that would have seen Sheffield United um, finish as champions uh, the previous season this season after that and the season after that up until Newcastle won the league with 102 points possibly one of the best second place, place teams ever um, ever ever however the top scorer that season only scored 11 ok it was top scorer it was Neil Shipley but we won't talk oh, about it <laughs> 
so it goes to show you, know, you sort of think to yourself how on earth did they have an amazing season that season because I say 92 points it's ridiculous and they still scored 76 goals so they weren't winning games 1-0 they were the second top scorers in the league um, so as I say where on earth did that come from but I'll tell you where Ryan and I've mentioned this on the pod before but they had eight other strikers on the books oh yeah 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 I remember this now I did a lot more digging um, so Adi Akinbayi who they got in January Bruce Dyer who they got in January Danny Webber, Steve Cabber, Jonathan Fort, Brian Dean, Luke Beckett and Jeff Horsbield all played and contributed that season. There's a lot of very average strikers in that bunch. Well, uh, Brian Dean was 37 when he signed. <laughs> um, now, they also had Vincent Pericard on loan. Yep. Andy Gray started the season, but he went to Sunderland's and he was the top scorer of the previous season. So losing Andy Gray is quite a big thing at that point. Um and as I said, you know, that many strikers throughout the season is ridiculous. Um, and as well as that, the team was littered with some court favourites. Michael Tong, Lee Bromby, Paul Eiffel, and Phil Jagielka. Yeah. Was Morgan um, there as well? Yeah, Chris Morgan. Chris Morgan was there. Jackson Morgan. Yeah, both at centre-half. They had Craig Short. Like Ferdinand and Vidic for the championship. Yeah, they had a 37-year-old Craig Short and they signed Chris Lucchetti in, in January as well. Uh, and and um, Gary Flickcroft. This this team was peak Neil Warnock and they had no big time Charlies and think this team set the blueprint for Neil Warnock in what was you know, a typical Neil Warnock side. It was very similar to his Cardiff team. There was no big time Charlies. It was all about hard work, four four two and winning football. Hard work, four four two, no big names in there, and Paddy Kenny in goal. Exactly. S- standard winning, Neil winning Warnock. Winning football. And shithousing games. I have gone with for my crap squad, I have gone with the Portsmouth side. From 2011, 2012. That's harsh, Ryan. That is harsh. It is harsh because I tell you what, it's surprising. But Portsmouth weren't actually too bad this season. This was prime bankrupt Pompey. Mm -hmm. Despite having no money, they used 32 players that season. That's something, yeah. Fair enough. (laughs) Which is surprising, to say the least. Some massive names in this squad. Carnu. Ricardo Rocha. Oh, Carnu was still there. Carnu was still hanging around. <laughs> oh my God. Was he doing much? Not really, but he was still hanging around. Ricardo Rocha, Dave Kitson, Benjani, Liam Lawrence. Big name players, all now, still there. I remember a bit of this season. Ricardo Rocha, I don't know if it was this season or the season after, but he booted the ball at some Southampton fans in the first row. <laughs> I think it was in a cup game. And he didn't, didn't I'm gonna go hunt down, that down. I'm going to hunt that down and I'm going to tweet it if I can find it. But it's... Peak bankrupt Pompey. They so the thing is, they didn't actually do too badly this season. They only fell into the relegation zone in the final third of the season uh, before eventually getting relegated. Mm-hmm. But th- it just shows to go that things were such a mess there at the time. In November of that season, there was a Europe-wide arrest warrant issued for the owner of Vladimir Antonov with an asset stripping allegation. Asset stripping allegation. Uh, then a few days later, actually the next day, Antonov was arrested. He then resigned as the chairman of Portsmouth. Then in January, they issued with a winding up petition by HMRC for 1.6 million in unpaid taxes. So, in terms of things on the pitch, they had Michael Appleton in charge for the majority of the season. They weren't actually doing too badly. Mm-hmm. It was just. Obviously, things off the pitch were an absolute mess. It was crippling, yeah. It was crippling them. The big names on the payroll at the time, I I was looking at it and I remember remember thinking to myself, why don't they just get rid of these players and then just use some young lads and, you know, 
low cost and low mm-hmm. risk. See what happens. But in hindsight, it's just obvious that these players were on such high wages that no one wanted to touch them mm-hmm. and take them off Portsmouth yeah. hands. So that's kind of what went wrong for them in the end. And they obviously kept spiralling down the leagues until eventually sitting in League Two for a few seasons. And now they're on the comeback. And it seems like they might <clears throat> very well be in the Championship in the near future. So I look forward to seeing them again soon. Yeah, and I think... Um, I think it was when they got um, taken over. It was it was sort of detailed what how bad the debts were. I think they owed like twenty five thousand to a local florist. Yeah, I mean, I I love spending flowers, spending money on flowers all the time, and I have got plenty of debts with florists around Derbyshire. But twenty five thousand is an astronomical amount of money. It's, it's scary. And how does that happen? I don't. I don't know. I read that. That's how it happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. It is. It's every fan's nightmare, isn't it? Um, it's, it's horrible for to see a club go through that. And you know, frankly, they are they are back on the up. Another another thing to point out for Portsmouth that season, they had a very very nice kit. It was a Kappa kit. I mean, Portsmouth have always had some quite nice yeah. kits. In fairness, uh, the second tier podcast wants to distance itself from any allegations Justin Peters ever made about Harry Redknapp. Let's go to the Craig Barson pub quiz. It is that part of the show where <laughs> we. We have a mystery championship legend. Six clues. All just has to do is figure out who it is. He has made a minimum of 200 championship appearances. Here's your first Mm -hmm. clue, Justin. I've made 257 appearances in the championship, scoring 80 goals. 80 goals. 260 appearances. 257. So, yeah, pretty much 260. Okay, and 80 goals. That's got to be Jason Roberts. It is not Jason Roberts. Why has it got to be Jason Roberts? Sometimes, if you go in with that much confidence then your mind will be swayed oh okay uh, that's a complete lie but I'm sure there's a YouTube video on it <laughs> uh, I've made my debut for Darlington in 2004 Darlington Darlington what's your knowledge of the Darlington side from 2003-2004 I know that they had a striker called Alan Armstrong oh it's not Alan Armstrong. Is that your guess? It may as well be because I'm still at a, I'm still at a loss with that. Okay. I've played for 12 clubs in total. Some of the less memorable ones I've played for include Derby, okay. Hull, Leeds and Wolves. Derby, Hull, Leeds, Wolves. They're the less memorable ones. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember them. I don't remember him playing for any of them. He made well, his... Apart from Derby. I think 80 goals. So he's not... Uh, that's... Um, well, one in two points, uh, one in three points, something isn't it? Goal ratio. So he's not a bad striker, mm. but he's clearly clearly a journeyman at his later career because there's no way you make that many. Yeah, you, you turn out for that many clubs and not be a journeyman. Obviously, I don't know. Um, uh, just makes... just have a think for you. Think for a second. He made his debut in 2004. Mm-hmm. So how old do you think he'd be now? Well, he. What you're looking at eighteen then, and that was sixteen years ago. So it'd be thirty-eight. Mm, I think he's he's a bit younger than that, but he's Don't around know. there. Um, Next clue. If, Go on. I was top scorer in the 2010-11 championship season. Danny so Graham. Ah! ah! Do you just remember the 2010-11 championship season that well? Well, that was an anomaly season, wasn't it, for him? 
So yeah. Well, you say that he's actually he's got a very mixed record, Danny Gray. Yeah. You look at his goal record over the past few seasons; is very weird, very weird. Um, let me just finish off. Uh, top scorer in the 2010-11 season, scoring 24 goals and winning my club's Player of the Season awards. What club was he at? Watford. Yes, I've struggled in the Premier League, scoring 18 goals in 124 games. One of the main reasons I struggled is because I moved to Sunderland for five million in 2013, <laughs> despite being a Newcastle fan, where I scored one goal in 42 appearances. And if that oh, doesn't God. summarise why there's now a documentary about Sunderland, I don't know what does. Jesus, I do like Danny Graham. He he's as I say, very mixed bag. Blackburn he did well. Watford he did well. Swansea he did well. It's just other clubs really where he just didn't kick off like he, Middlesbrough Derby he Leeds was Hull absolutely useless at Derby yeah he, he was useless I think you'll get quite a few fans of other clubs saying he was useless for them and then others saying that he was quite good for them mm. I mean he's quite he's quite well liked at Blackburn at the moment it's, it's the Danny Graham spectrum isn't it you're either amazing or awful oh yeah you can be why did I do that comparison Watford Danny Graham versus Middlesbrough Danny Graham. It would have given it away, but you can go into that next week if you want. Yeah, I'll use that as my intro next week. (laughs) Right, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening. As we say at the end of every episode, or the more recent variety anyway, if you wouldn't mind giving us some support on Twitter by giving us a shout-out, that would be great. Uh, Giving us a review on iTunes, that would be great as well. Anything you can give us, we'll greatly appreciate because these are hard times for everyone. And we are just a small fish in a big old pond. I think any suggestions of 11s you want to see as well would yeah, be good. Yeah, yeah we'll see, take that. Any, uh, uh, um, what was I going to say? Any um, suggestions? I don't know why it took me so long to think of the word suggestions, but it <laughs> did. Any suggestions for squad goals as well? That would be uh, very welcome as well. Mm. Anything that you want to say to us, our DMs are open on Twitter. So slide into them, baby. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.